moving forward a whole bunch of chapters, but don't worry, we'll flash back a bit. It was mid-morning. He sat naked at one of the tables in the back of the hotel, staring out at the creek rushing past. The sun glinted in the water, his fingers caressing the edge of his new wristband. Tears welled up in his eyes. Ramona approached with another nude and collared slave. She was carrying a bag with the clothes he'd come in wearing and his personal items. She placed a hand on his shoulder. You okay? she asked sweetly. Yeah, I'm more than okay, he said. I never want to leave here. I never want to leave her, replaced that sentence inside his mind. You'll be back, Ramona said, consoling him. I have a good feeling about you. Hello, this is Viola Strepsada Volteri. And you are listening to Obedient Love. After our previous episode, our sub has been delivered the package and given several tasks. Some have been simple deliver an envelope to a man in an office drive someone from one place to another, that sort of thing. Some have been physically taxing, like loading a moving truck or cleaning out a large house. One task was to simply show up at a social gathering and serve drinks in the nude. Finally, the tasks began to include some playtime. A woman was demonstrating how to use urethral sounds to several other women and used him as a demo subject. Some tasks were just strange. A woman had him simply stand naked in front of a mirror for hours as she occasionally walked around him and studied him. Somehow, it was one of the most arousing, but also the most exhausting, endeavors. In another task, he was simply told to show up at a small office space and have his blood drawn. For what, he had no clue, but five tubes were taken. Among his final task before meeting her was to endure an entire 48-hour period of torture. Stress positions, no sleep, kept alternately in a cage and on a rack where he was pegged relentlessly, flogged, paddled, caned, and whipped until he felt himself almost leave his body. He had to ask for everything, water, to use the restroom. He was spit on and pissed on by several women who barely acknowledged him other than to bark directions. If ever he felt he'd paid his dues, it was then. When he was fitted with a small gas mask over his nose, the type a dentist will use before doing an operation, he almost immediately passed out and woke up in the morning in his own bed with bruises, welts, and a headache. The pain was the only thing that made him confident that it hadn't been some strange dream. The remarkable thing was, as instructed, he never once saw these women's faces. He kept his eyes averted. It had become so automatic that he found it difficult to look at any woman in the eye. He could never be sure if she was part of the company. Any woman on the street might be, and he never wanted to risk breaking the rules, which came in his introductory packet along with both his private and public collars. He had to make sure his public collar, or day collar, a buckling cockstrap with the company emblem burned into the leather, was on his right wrist at all times. 
he only removed it to shower. If lost, he would never be allowed to serve again. And if any woman approached him and touched the emblem, he had to automatically go into company protocol, no matter where or when. It did excite him to know that a strange woman might approach him at any moment and order him around. There were other slaves present at some of the ordeals. He decided not to look at them either. He didn't know what he would do if they recognized one another in public. Probably just pretend that they didn't notice, or maybe exchange a knowing glance and move on. How strange that would feel. He had not been sent any tasks in the past month, and he was getting antsy. The feeling of not serving was like being abandoned by God. He would find himself doing strange things, offering to fetch coffee for his female co-workers. His neighbor was a single mom, and he began mowing her lawn. Anything to have that feeling of being subservient to women. Some nights he would come home, take off all his clothes, and put on his private collar, which was reserved for when he was performing tasks for the company. The clasp was two steel loops that would be held together by each individual woman's private lock. A woman would lock him in and unlock him when she was done with him. The protocol of kissing her feet and reciting the five words would accompany the ritual. In his room, he would hold the collar to his neck and kneel down and wait as if in prayer, desperately hoping for his next assignment. If ever he wanted to leave the company, he had an address to return the callers. They'd been marked on the inside with his slave ID number. And if received by the women, it would mean he was done and would never be contacted again. Returning the callers meant withdrawing consent. Even after the painful 48-hour ordeal, he could not even think of doing so. He was eating lunch at his favorite little Mexican joint on a sunny autumn day. He was sitting at the small table outside when he heard the five words recited next to him. He jumped to attention. He had been trained on exactly how to reply. To her. For her. Through her. He replied as he turned to face another man whose head was bowed and who was holding an envelope in his shaking, outstretched hand. He wore the same public collar with the emblem around his right wrist. This was official business. The man's body language seemed nervous and twitchy, and suddenly he remembered having done the exact same task as one of his first assignments for the company. He took the envelope, and the man turned and left quickly. Noob, he chuckled to himself as he tore open the envelope. He has no idea what he's in for. He remembered when he first got his packet a year before. He wasn't allowed to open it himself. He was instructed to deliver the package and himself to the woman he would come to know as his trainer. He was tentative as he walked up the front steps and rang her doorbell. The door was opened by what he would come to know as a sissy slave. He was in a short skirt and stockings and heels. His head and body was shaved, and he wore both the private and public collars. The sissy took the package and gestured for him to follow. He was taken into a small den with a fireplace and told to wait. He bent to sit on the leather sofa, but the sissy clicked his tongue and pointed to the floor. Oh, sorry, he said as he sat in front of the fireplace. Heels tapping, the sissy went up the staircase to the top floor. A few minutes later, a woman came down. She was in tight black yoga pants and a t-shirt, and her feet were bare. She had long black hair and no makeup on. Immediately, she told him to avert his eyes and never look at her face. He lowered his gaze. What are you doing with clothes on in my house? She asked flatly. 
Sorry, ma'am, he said and began to undress. She plopped onto the leather sofa and ripped open the package. From the corner of his eye, he saw her pull out the collars and a packet of papers. She flipped through them for a moment, the collars resting on her legs. He started to raise his head to get a better look, but she stared at him with a scowl and pointed down with a single index finger. He looked again at the floor. As she read, he heard her make little noises like, hmm, and huh. After reading, she popped up off the sofa with enthusiasm, saying, Okay, then. She brought his collar over, and with the fire warming the side of his face, she was the first to slip it around his neck. Her lock clicked in front, and he could not help but sport the hardest erection he thought he might ever have. She chuckled and flipped his cock with her bare toes, making it bounce. She made him put his hands behind his head like someone being arrested, she took the public collar and strapped it around his cock and balls and tightened it. He would learn later that it had dual purpose. Within an hour, she had drilled him on all the formal protocols. She taught him different positions and their commands. She would roughly and physically adjust his body if he was getting it wrong. She taught him various greetings and responses to greetings. There was a crop sitting on the fireplace mantle. She grabbed it and began running him through commands. If he hesitated, he'd get a swat to his ass or thighs, whichever was more convenient for her. The first swat stung in a way he had not expected. Ouch! He flinched and pulled away. She called for her sissy, who came into the room. She made a hand gesture, out of line of vision, and the sissy click-click-clicked away and returned with a dental spreader. His trainer then shooed the sissy, and they were left alone again. The woman grabbed his face and placed the metal and rubber device between his teeth. Bite down, she said. He bit down, then he heard the sound of ratcheting metal inside his head as the spreader opened his mouth so wide that he could neither close it nor push the device out. His tongue searched around his open orifice. You can only speak when I tell you that you can, she said. He nodded and continued to run through the protocols. Once he'd been adjusted, slapped and corrected into shape, and she was satisfied, the smile was audible in her voice. Good boy she said, and with that he felt her fingers slide past the spreader and into his mouth, over his tongue, and down his throat. He tried not to gag. Nice control, she said as she fucked his throat with her fingers. She seemed to really enjoy this. She kept doing it and his eyes began to water. His cock pushed upward as her cool wet fingers unbuckled the cock strap. She then had him hold out his right arm. She placed the leather cock strap around his wrist and explained that he was to never lose it, or to be caught not wearing it, or he would never again be able to serve. By this time, he was dripping pre-cum on the wood floor. She looked down at the tiny puddle with disdain. With a click along the side of his jaw, she allowed the dental spreader to close and pull it out of his mouth. Clean it up, she said, tapping with her toes just inches away from the goo. Sorry, ma'am, he said, trying to swallow the pool of excess saliva in his mouth, and got down on all fours. He licked it up while staring up at her foot. He wanted to lick her toes, too, but he was terrified. Good, she said. She tossed his clothes at him and told him to get ready to go. Before leaving, she removed her lock. She gave him the packet, now with his private collar and paperwork inside. She told him to read everything thoroughly. He kissed her feet and went home, glowing. That was his first training session. There would be a few more. He wondered if he was to become dedicated to her, eventually. He liked the idea. He liked her and her casual but commanding style.
As he left her house, he stared down at the packet in his hands. This was really real. Snapped back to the present by the waiter bringing his check, he looked at what he held in his hands now. It was a simple, formal letter on a fancy linen paper. At the top, the company emblem, and under that, the word, Puja. P-U-J-A. Under that, just coordinates, more coordinates, with a little map and a date and time. Three-day weekend, water fast for twelve hours, and bring nothing, it read. His heart leapt. A formal event? So far, we've referred to the slave as simply him and he. Among the women of the company, he came to be known as Slave C-38. He'd noted that some slaves had generic monikers, while others seemed to have had a name chosen for them. Some were kind of odd names, like Puppy, Drum, T.P., Butler, Matey, which tended to designate their role in the lives of the women who were in charge of them. There were also sissies given androgynous or feminine names, or names which seemed to mock some shortcoming, like Slow Loris. Slave C-38 was unsure how they got these names and why so many did not have them. One thing was for sure, no one but the women were using their full names, and even those may not have been the names they'd been given at birth. The company was a world within a world. For some, like Slave C-38, it was a form of enhanced or augmented reality. For others, they were so submerged in it that there was no reality outside of it. Doing as instructed, C-38 left a bag with a change of clothes in his car as he pulled up the drive, just off a main road heading into the mountains, and parked. An old stagecoach inn had been converted into a luxury boutique hotel. He made his way up the steep front steps to a large entrance which led into a sitting room with a huge stone fireplace. He was met at the front desk by a short-haired petite woman who introduced herself as Ms. Ramona. He recited the greeting, as he'd always done well on assignment, and kissed her feet. She gave him the command, which meant he was to take the tortoise position. He waited this way for some time, as other guests entered. One was a woman with suitcases, who chatted with Ramona briefly and was given a room key, after which another barefoot nude slave came out to escort her to her room. The next was another man arriving with no luggage. He too was commanded to take the same position. After what seemed like half an hour, Miss Ramona stood in front of both men and instructed them to empty their pockets into plastic bins and then undress. Both had brought their formal collars, and Ramona quickly slipped them around each man's neck and clipped keys into small locks pulled from her pocket. They both did as they were told, eyes lowered the whole time. C-38 had become accustomed to navigating while seeing only others' feet and legs. Ramona was wearing tight black pants and a pair of ballet flats. He snuck a glance at her chest to see a silver chain with two small keys attached. He knew that the women all owned their own sets of locks, with identical keys for when they had multiple slaves serving them. He'd also learned early on that the women of the company only dressed up for special events. Otherwise, they were well-groomed, but casual, and always comfortable. And without fail, they always smelled sweet, like pastries, a smell which made him swoon. Both men were led into a large room set up like a yoga studio. There must have been at least twenty men there, from what he could see, positioned on all fours on mats, a few feet apart from one another, naked with collars on. He took a mat and assumed the position. 
Ramona spoke flatly to everyone, calling out positions, which each man promptly responded to. She wandered through the lineup, as she instructed. She tisk-tisked a couple who had sloppy form and asked them to spread their legs. She slapped their testicles with a small leather strap she was carrying around on her right wrist. Several sharp, hard, precise snaps. He could hear them wince. Taking note, all the rest were careful not to slip up. The positions were repeated over and over in a drill format, something he was used to. It reminded him of when he first joined and his trainer ran him through endless cycles of the same. It was exhausting, but he felt he'd been prepared well by his trainer, and his stamina was good. The mood of the room suddenly changed as a door opened. He had no idea what had happened, but everything went silent. No one dared even breathe loudly. He tensed up. He knew these women were prone to diabolical surprises. The spit built up in his mouth and he gulped reflexively. He felt his cock start to stiffen with fear. Quietly, a layered long black skirt, perhaps silk, and bare feet with toes painted a deep ruby, drifted between the rows of men. If the other women smelled sweet, this woman had an added scent of spiced liqueur, something bitter, like almond, emanated from her skirts. He breathed it in. Wedding cake with a hint of chili powder? Unique. Delicious. She seemed to circle round a few times, and then she paused next to him. She commanded him to stand. Her voice was so gentle and soft, but firm. He did so, still keeping his gaze at the hem of her skirt. She leaned into him. The soft warmth of her body was intoxicating. He felt incredibly vulnerable. Her hair brushed his face and chest. That scent. Cool fingers traced his jaw down his chest. She caressed his ass as she embraced him, pressing his cock into her thigh. And then she reached down and grabbed it. He couldn't help but gasp as her fingers enveloped him. And then she just stood there, still, gently squeezing. It seemed like time stopped. The temperature of her fingers warmed to the heat of his body, and then he noticed that they were breathing in sync. She didn't have to instruct him. Just in slowly, out slowly, matched perfectly. He wanted to hump her hand, but he held still, and he breathed with her. After about thirty breaths, he felt himself building to an orgasm. He was worried he'd lose control and make a mess there in front of this woman, Ms. Ramona, and twenty other slaves. He'd never been so easy to come, and yet it felt like it was approaching, like a speeding train. And just like that, she removed her hand, and the feeling subsided. Though he stood there, with his heart on reaching out into the air like a drowning victim reaching for a life preserver, everything in him wanted to thrust himself forward to find her again. He felt like he may lose balance and fall over, but she placed a hand to his chest to steady him. He felt his own heart beating, and he felt like he was floating. The woman turned to Ms. Ramona and spoke. Just two words. This one. Ms. Ramona commanded him back into tortoise position, and his ears were ringing. He could sense that the woman was moving around the room, making her selection from the available submissives, but he could not hear a thing. It was as if an explosion had gone off near his head, and it took a while for his hearing to come back online inside his brain. Her selection for what, though? He was excited to have been chosen, and he just could not wait to be near her again. 
He felt a longing just to touch her that consumed him. Were his eyes welling up with tears? The next thing he knew, he and five others were being escorted out of the room on leashes by Ms. Ramona. They descended a stairway into a hallway. He was directed into a very small room with a toilet, a shower, a towel, and a mat on the floor. The only light was from a small salt lamp plugged into the wall. It was warm and comforting. There was a pitcher of water and a glass on the floor next to the mat. You'll shower and wait in here, Ms. Ramona ordered. No touching yourself. If you masturbate, we'll see it on camera, and you'll be asked to leave. We know you can stay chaste for the ceremony. He'd grown accustomed to being surveilled. It seemed almost normal now, and he felt no need to cheat or break the rules. There's no way he was going to risk not finding out what comes next. The door clicked shut. After he heard her pass, he checked the door, locked from the outside. He showered and toweled off, and then lay down on the mat. And then, a whole lot of nothing. He'd wished he'd eaten more before his imposed fast, but he'd been too nervous. Now his stomach tightened and grumbled. How long would he be in here? It didn't take long for the boredom to take hold, even though the thoughts of the woman kept his mind wandering. Then, a woman's voice came over the speaker in the room. Remember your meditation. That was it. He took it as a cue to sit in meditation, as he'd been instructed by his trainer to do every night. Just one of the many rituals that she'd expected of him in these nine months since he began. He did so. After what he judged to be an hour, he lay back down. What now? After a short time, eerie low music came over the speakers. Then he heard a familiar sound. The hypnosis audio he'd found online early on when researching the woman who he'd been emailing. Before all of this took him deep into a life that he'd never imagined. As he listened, he fell into a deep sleep.